Midas Pharaoh looking for two. Doncaster straight. Can he do it again? Light up the world is getting up near the fence. But Pharaoh, Pharaoh dashed to the lead from Abbe Glenn and light up the world, followed by Aragen and Brave Warrior. But Gavin Eads goes for home on Pharaoh. Look at Auntie Mary. Auntie Mary out of the back. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. Australian trainers are giving Pride's Racing Cube the thumbs up. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube is a set recipe formulation in which the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt-free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Mornington trainer Jason Warren introduced his horses to Racing Cube early this year and is delighted with the results. We've had a great deal of success since making that change. So really pleased with Pride's and not only the racing cubes, they've got a number of other feeds that work well for us. Pride's racing cube is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at a very economical price. Talk to your local rep about racing cube. Another winner from the Pride's easy feed state. Trainers are giving it the tick of approval all around the nation. Those racing fans who like to keep an eye on the results of Northern Rivers Racing will have noticed the name of jockey Matt McGurran coming up with amazing regularity. The Racing New South Wales Premiership figures have him on 42 winners so far this season. Last season he won 58, the season before 70, and the one before that, 69. It's a well-worn cliché, but Matt McGurran could ride before he could walk, and by mid-teens, he could literally ride anything. He reached a high level of competition on Broncos and Bulls, and was still at school when he began riding track work for Grafton trainers. He had a short stint as an amateur jockey before becoming apprenticed in Grafton, to the late Alan Ryan. Matt's not a keeper of records, but he thinks he's somewhere in the 800s when it comes to winners. He's married to former talented jockey Samantha Munro, who's now a trainer with 13 horses stabled at Grafton Racecourse and a handful of pre-trainers on their 50-acre property out of town. Everything was going swimmingly until three months ago, when Samantha broke her right leg in an accident with a camp drafter. She discarded the crutches recently and is thankfully getting around fairly well because Matthew is now sidelined with a broken right foot after a barrier trial accident at Ballina on Saturday, March 4. Let's welcome a thoroughly disgusted and thoroughly frustrated Matt McGurran to the podcast. Can you believe this? <laughs> oh, thanks for that, John. No, it's a it's a bit of an amazing turn of events. <laughs> Incredible. That's and, for sure. Well, you'd, you'd had a good week too, hadn't you? You'd had a double at Coffs Harbour on the Friday. You'd ridden a winner at Ballina earlier on for John Gilmore. And then you jumped on a lightly raced filly called Cava Up 
for Matty Dunn in a 1,000-metre trial. What happened, Matt? Yeah, it was just a bit unfortunate. She sort of didn't do a lot wrong, really, John. She um, she was a little angel, um, and she just jumped, just didn't jump straight. She just jumped a bit sideways coming out of the machines and um, just bashed me foot up against the side. I sort of, I, th- I thought it was gone as soon as she'd done it. Um, but yeah, I sort of battled through. I had a few rides on the Sunday in in here at Grafton, so I um, managed to sort of battle through them and um, before I sort of before I worried about getting it checked out. And, yeah, there was a couple of breaks in my foot, so now I'm on the sidelines. Yeah. So how were you at Grafton on the Sunday, in a bit of distress, no doubt? Yeah, I was a bit lame. Um, I'm glad the vet didn't see me because he would have put me out. But, um, <laughs> no, it was um, I was a bit green, but I had I only had the three rides and I, I, I thought they'd all be around the mark and um, I was I was pretty close. They, um, they were all pretty close. Sam, one of Sam's horses won and... Mm. Um, there was a couple other placings with the other two, so um, yeah, I was. I sort of wanted to go because I wanted to do the horses justice, but um, yeah, I after the after the final event there, I thought I'd better get things checked out. And, mm. Yeah, they've, so they've sidelined me. Did you go to the hospital on Sunday night or wait until Monday morning? I waited until Monday morning. I just didn't think, you know, um, little bush hospital. I didn't think um, there'd be anybody there to to do anything for me, so I waited till the Monday morning and uh, went up there and had a look at it. Yeah. Well, doctors were of the opinion you didn't need a cast and you have the lesser of two evils, don't you? A moon boot. Yeah, yeah. It's still making things difficult. It, as much as, as good as it is, it's, um, it's not probably not quite as hot as a, as a cast, but, um, yeah, it's still, still hard to hobble about and, and do much. Um, I'm just trying to fix a vehicle here at the moment and it's it is getting in me road that's mm. for sure so what's the prognosis matt uh two months um oh, they've dear. said um yeah i've just heard um yesterday afternoon that there's there's no surgery required um yeah as long as i can look after myself i suppose and not do anything too strenuous um yeah a couple of months on the sideline oh dear well, obviously, you're chief track work rider for Samantha six mornings a week, so reinforcements have had to be called in. Who's riding them work? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've we've had to get quite a few and sort of um, shift things around. Uh, just a, f- a few locals. Um, we've just had to um, – we've, we've sort of always tried to keep a, a couple on standby, but – you know, generally, as a rule, is myself and Samantha, we can get through the 13 that's in there, no worries at all. But um, with her out and with me going to the odd race meeting, well, um, that meant that I sort of tried to tried to um, share it around a touch. And, and now with the two of us out, well, we've had to share it around even more. Mm-hmm. Take me back to Samantha's accident three months ago, Matt. She sustained multiple fractures to the right leg, in an accident with a camp drafter, did you see it happen? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I I was at the cutout yard and um, she um, she was having a really good run. Um, anybody you know, sort of camp drafting, she was yeah, sort of three parts way through a run and at full gallop and um, just sort of coming around beside the beast and to head it through the gate, the last sort of part of the draft and. Um, just as the mare was turning the beast, she just faltered behind and lost her back, her back feet, and mm. and she's the mare's just slipped over and 
and just crushed Sam on the way down. Um, yeah, just one of them freak accidents. Um, yeah, she's and it was it was a bit of a not something that you'd see very often out of that mare too. She's one of our best mares, and I drafted her the next weekend and had a crack and run on her that was yeah more intense than that. It was just a just an unfortunate event. Yeah. Mm. Well, Sam also escaped the ordeal of having to wear a cast but she did require the insertion of a metal rod from the knee to the ankle, and you're telling me that piece of hardware is in there for the duration. Yeah, yeah, she's got that for good. Um, so she's, yeah, she's got a bit of steel there forever now. Um, she's she's itching to get back on a horse as, as she would, but, um, yeah, it's just one of them things that hopefully nothing like that ever happens again because if, they said if... Um, if anything like that was to happen again, what with that rod in there, it's, it wouldn't be a very nice result. But they said um, if they were to take it out, it would be, take twice as long to heal. So mm. she's opted to leave it there and just hopefully the horses can stay on their feet for her. Yeah, yeah so she'll continue. She loves it so much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. She's um, she's she's still got a long way to go before she's allowed back on a horse. Oh. Um, she she has been riding a couple of the ones in the river and whatnot, but um, she's yeah she's not allowed to put a lot of a lot of weight on it. Like yeah, no no riding sort of stress anyway. Yeah, well, mums and dads listening to this podcast will be intrigued to know how the McGurrans manage two young daughters under normal circumstances. Now I believe you take the kids to the track when you go to work the horses, so that's in the dark and they sleep for a couple of hours on a bed you've set up in the car. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like the the, the Michelle Payne story, I suppose. There's just not as many of them. Mm. Um, <laughs> they, um, yeah, they're up. Oh, well, they're not. They don't wake up. We cart them to the to the vehicle, and they sort of we um, get them to town. We're twenty k's out of town. We yeah, get them into town, and um, ends up being a double bed in the back of the vehicle, and they they camp there until. You know, seven o'clock in the morning, and um, get out of bed and get dressed into their school clothes and have breakfast and brush their teeth and do their hair and whatnot, and off they <laughs> off they go to school. They're um, yeah, yeah. They they know the drill. Um, they they sort of yeah don't know much different really. They um, yeah they they know when to get up and when to get ready, and they're pretty pretty good kids. And um, once they're ready to go, we I'm sort of getting off one of my last horses and. It's time for school, so. Yeah. Well, McKellar is 10 years old, Addison is seven, and uh, they're both, with this powerful genetic factor, already showing uh, this inherent love of horses. McKellar, in fact, is already hooked and showing a natural gift, and Addison, you tell me, is just starting to get interested. Yeah, no, that's spot on. Um, McKellar, she's... You, you can't keep her away from him. She's on a horse's back every every afternoon after school if she's at home, and if she's at the track, well, she's trying to handle them too. But um, yeah, she you can't keep her away. She's got another camp draft on this weekend that I'm gonna I'll be taking her to. Mm. Um, yeah, she's she's bringing home plenty of ribbons and and a bit of money here and there. And um, Addison, she's um, she's just starting to pick the reins up and wanting to go and catch a horse. So yeah. Um, it's taken a while, and we haven't wanted to push her. It's 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 up to them if they want to do it. They they can do it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, she's she's just starting to get pretty keen. Actually, she's starting to put 
put a pair of jeans on and a pair of boots every afternoon and and go <laughs> catch a horse. So um, yeah, it's good. It's great to see. It's um, it's it's pretty exciting actually. Are they the right build and the right weight uh, to be jockeys down the track? Oh, there's yeah, there's nothing of Mckellar. Um, she's <laughs> she'll be a natural. She not like me. She'll um she'll definitely be a natural lightweight. Addison's built a little bit more like me. Um, she's a bit stocky, but um, I couldn't see them being too tall if they wanted to go that way. They'll um, I, I wouldn't think you know Samantha's. She never had any troubles with her weight, so um, I couldn't see the pair either of them. Um, you know, having it having much trouble if they ever wanted to venture down this way. And you wouldn't discourage them. No, no, it's it'll be totally up to them. Um, I'm not I'm not gonna encourage it or discourage it. No. <laughs> um, Remain neutral. Yes, yeah, definitely. I'll be there for plenty of help and support if they if they that's what they want to do. And McKellar's already got it in her head that that's what she is doing. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, Addison wants to be a vet at this stage. <laughs> but, oh. um, yeah, time will tell. It must have been a little intimidating when Samantha decided to become a trainer. Now, obviously, you got support from local owners and people you knew in racing, but you tell me you were both overwhelmed to be offered horses by total strangers. Yeah, yeah, definitely, John. It was, um, it was, yeah, it was different, um, we, you know, because we... We had a breaking and um, re-educating sort of set up at home and pre-training and spelling and that sort of stuff. And it was just through a few horses that had some barrier issues and um, other pre-trainers that we'd sort of sent back and they started to get a few results. And the, it was actually the, the stewards that sort of said to us that we couldn't or we, we weren't allowed to take them to the track without having a same like we needed to have a licence. Um so we sort of just, yeah, just got Sam to take a licence out so we could just take these horses to the track to help with their mm. education and, and whatnot, um, especially the breakers. And and so we could, um, with her having a licence, we could trial these horses that were having the barrier issues and then and then send them home um, with a, you know, with a finished product that we were happy with. Mm. And just through that. Um, Word of mouth. Yeah, word of mouth, and um, you know, horses that were owners were significantly happy with, and they would they just decided, oh well, you've done the work, you may as well um, keep the horse. And then yeah, and then there was just yeah, as you say, there was people that we've yeah never met before um, mm. ringing up with horses that they'd bred or bought and things like that, and it was yeah, it was overwhelming for sure. Mm. A horse called Forty Five Park Lane has given Sam a great kick along with four Grafton wins in the last 12 months or so. I noticed he hadn't won in 14 Victorian starts previously. How did he find his way into your stable? Yeah, that, that old fella, he, um, we, I actually, we picked him out um, probably six months before or something. He, um, he was in the price stable in Victoria and I liked his form. I just thought that we could probably you know, manage him and, and help him out with the troubles that he had and the injuries that he'd sustained. And um, he ended up going for more than I wanted to spend. But more, um, so we we let him go and then he come on the market again with – and he hadn't hadn't done anything with the other trainers either. So we, we decided we'd give him a crack and once he got here we um, – 
yeah, we, we fell in love with him. We could have probably sold him three or four times over to some mm. to some people that were very interested, but um, so I think Samantha only sold 10% of him. She was pretty keen to stay in him herself because we could just, yeah. there, was, there was plenty of horse to work with. So, no, he's, he's been good fun for her. Um, yeah, it's, he's, he's given her a great kick along, that's for sure. He's had a spell, Matt, and he's just back in work. Yeah, no, he's just come back in the last last day or two. Um, he's um, yeah, like, there was just sort of without putting him on the truck and floating him a fair way. It was he was hard to place in, at current time, so she said we'll give him a quick spell, a bit of let up, and um, and bring him back and see if and we'll target some couple of races over the carnival at Grafton. Mm. Um, yeah, he's a. We, we give him one star. We threw him in the McLean Cup last year, and he was just, it was probably a prep too early for him. Um, he just wasn't ready to settle and to get the 1400, but he'll no doubt, he'll no doubt get, get at this prep. Mm. Well, we've already established that uh, Samantha is an up and coming young trainer, and it's well documented that she was a pretty good jockey riding under the name of Samantha Munro. Was she originally apprenticed to Terry Comerford at Grafton? Yeah, yeah, that's her. She, um, I actually, I got her to come in and and ride a bit of track work when we were, um, when we were a lot younger. Um, just, um, Terry was looking. I was riding work for Terry, and he was, um, the Grafton was in much desperate need for another track work rider, and um, we both we started talking about her, so we we put it to her, and um. She started coming in and riding a bit of track work, and yeah, it just it bloomed from there. And we actually we started race riding on on the same day. I see that it was Boxing Day two thousand and nine, but at different places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I went to Royal Barraville, and um, she was up the road here at Ballina. Um, quite different tracks, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. But um, no, it was. Um, it was great. We she uh, she kicked off with a bang. She was <laughs> I wouldn't tell her too often, but she she wrote a stack more winners than me early days. That's for did sure. She, did she? Yeah. Well, her first winner came at Coffs Harbour in 2010 on a mare called She's Not Guilty, trained by Joe Janiak, the man who trained Takeover Target. I bet she's got a photo of that one. Yeah, yeah, my word. She, um, I think Nick Morada owned that, and that also. When it, she was in Famous Colours, mm. um, yeah, no, she was one of them days, one of them things that you'd never forget. That's for sure. She was a very successful apprentice in the region, and in the 2010-2011 season, she won the Northern Rivers and the New South Wales Country Apprentices title. I think it was 41 winners which was a tidy tally. You obviously rode together in races many times, Matt. Yeah, I oh, definitely. Um, yeah, she she had a had a fair role on at that stage, um, riding for some for some good stables and um, she's kicking a lot of goals. Um, yeah, it was credit to her. She was yeah, she had a, a, a very good role on and as you say, it was a, for her to win that um, because she, she didn't travel a, a, a very far at all at that stage, but um, for her to win the New South Wales title, was, yeah, it was credit to her. Mm. At what age did you become involved with Broncos and Bulls? Uh, probably 15, 16, I started riding steers and 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then I ventured onto a few bulls before I was yeah when I was about seventeen, and I think I was I made it to the national finals when I was still in the juniors. Um, made it to the national finals in the open division, mm-hmm. um, but it was that year that I um, tore my arm up and I I couldn't. I couldn't go. I made it to the yeah, made it to national finals in the junior and the open division, and yeah, you know, I just couldn't make it. So I um, just yeah, through injury, yeah. and um, that was how I, that was how Alan Ryan conned me into um, giving trying to lose weight again. Um, yeah, yeah. So because I, I was um, I was an apprentice floor and wall tyler at the time, and still still mm. riding twenty horses track work before I was going mm. to work and. He said, uh, well, Nat, seeing as you can't ride bulls anymore and trying to bulk yourself up, he said, why don't you give it another go while you're young? So I, yeah, yeah, so I did, and here I, I'm still here. <laughs> the swerving and the lurching on those big, powerful bulls uh, damaged one of your shoulders, didn't it? And you're reminded of it to this day whenever you happen to ride a hard puller. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, it's a, it's a, um, I've got a lot of... Um, tendon damage in my in my lower arm um and my my wrist swells up like a balloon if i've got if um if i get on something that pulls a bit um yeah or if i've got to pull the stick through to the left hand um yeah just through the the, the pressure of it and um yeah it, it it swells up like a balloon i've got i've got a tendon in there that's it's no longer attached anymore it's mm. it's completely severed and, um yeah so yeah, you're getting away with it, mate, because you're only 32. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can, I can still chip away at it without too many people noticing. Oh, my word. <laughs> you were still going to school when you started writing track work for those local trainers, and uh, you might still hold the Grafton record for the biggest number of horses worked in one morning. You were off one, onto another, in a frantic couple of hours. How many? Yeah, my word. I think my record was twenty six. Good. Um, I don't know. You know, doing it there now, I don't know how I ever did it. Um, yeah, but that was that was most mornings. It was sort of most mornings. I'd get twenty two, twenty three done. Um, have a quick shower and run down the road to school. Um, <laughs> and then the, you know, a couple of the odd morning, I'd be a bit late and not explain to them that I had to work. You know, the teacher, principal would always say, you know, you can't work in school hours. And I told him what I was earning and he said, oh, well, don't you be telling too many people. <laughs> <laughs> Did he? <laughs> yeah. 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 When the time came for you to learn a trade, you became an apprentice tiler in Grafton, floor and wall tiling. And you tell me you'll still knock over a bathroom or two for friends to this day. Yeah, yeah, I still still got the tools. Um, it's it's good. They're good to get back to. Um, I I enjoy sort of doing a bathroom or or a kitchen or a splashback or something. You know, once every, once a year or something like that. If if some friends have got something that pops up. Um, yeah, my mother a couple of years ago she went over. Um, I shouted her a holiday to. Um, she went to Thailand, mm-hmm. and um, so she was away for a week. And while she was away, I. Knocked the old bathroom out and um, and revamped the, the main bathroom for her. And she actually, before she left, she asked a mate of mine that is a builder if he could just um, fix the 
the door on the bathroom. And I, so when she got home, I said to her, I said, just go and check that door. Ah, good yeah, boy. So you're went, a, you're, what a good son. Yeah, <laughs> the things you do for your mother. <laughs> oh, what a surprise for her, though, Matt. That was yeah, a lovely she, thought on your part. Yeah, she nearly fell over. Yes, it was It was a great, mm. good day. Um, yeah, it was like something you'd see on them TV shows and then people come home and see their, see their yeah. house. It was, yeah, it was, it was good. And I assume those tiles are still on the wall. Yeah, yeah, they're still there. They're still there. They <laughs> must have done an okay job because they're still yeah. there. <laughs> now, before Alan Ryan talked you into becoming an apprentice on a professional scale, you tried your hand as an amateur because you were still around 64, 65 kilos. You had a few rides at the picnics. Did you ride a winner? No, no, I couldn't get near him. No, I, um, huh. I rode a few place getters, but um, that was about it. I um, No, I was I was probably pretty rough, I'd say. Um, I still had to lose weight um, to ride at the picnics them days. I was, yeah, as you say, sort of 64, 5 kilos and, I think the minimum was at that stage it was might have been sixty or sixty one. So yeah, that and I had no idea what wasting was or how to try and lose weight. I was running running ten k's with garbage bags on, thinking that I was doing my best, but um, yeah. <laughs> um, I probably wasn't doing anybody justice. But I yeah, as I say, I didn't ride a lot out there. I think I done one season of the of the um, of the picnics out there around Moree and. Um, but, yeah, for no joy. <laughs> the late Alan Ryan was not only your tutor and mentor, he was also your best mate. And you were delighted in 2015 to win one of the early country championship qualifiers for Al on a horse called Red Wolf. You got a big kick out of that. Yeah, it was um, it was something that we never saw coming, that's for sure. Um yeah, it was a, it was great. Um, he was, as you say, Al was a great mate of mine. He was a legend. Um, always there for you, give you the shirt off his back. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a magnificent day to see that old horse um, keep kicking and and win. Um, yeah, we, we got lost in the big smoke when we went down there for the final at Easter time. But um, <laughs> did you? Yeah, yeah I, it was um, it was the year that they transferred it from the Saturday to the Tuesday. It got rained out on the Saturday and. Um, it just sort of put a bit of a spanner in the works for Al and, um, yeah, he wasn't a hundred percent happy with the horse when he presented him just through, he didn't sort of settle in the stables and whatnot, but, um, you know, he still had a, he still got a great kick out of the pair of us being there together. That's for sure. Mm, So that three day delay didn't do Red Wolf any favours. No, that's right. He just, um, Al just said he didn't really settled in the stables where he was and um, just wasn't like being back at Grafton, I suppose, in the country atmosphere. He uh, he didn't like the bright lights. (laughs) Matt, your weight problems are well documented. You've always done it tough. Somehow you still ride around the 56 kilo mark, but boy, uh, it's torture. Yeah, it's not not fun, that's for sure. Um, It's just something that I suppose you... That I've learnt to deal with and, and learnt to manage. Um, yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's plenty of plenty of bikes out there that that, that struggle. Um, I'm probably not much different to them. It's just one of them things that I've learnt to deal with and um, learnt to manage and just try and keep my head down and 
and keep walking and keep my mouth shut, really. So if nothing <laughs> goes in, the weight can't go up. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 good here now with this um, with these couple of businesses that we've got. I'm I'm pretty busy, so um, especially with well, I was with Samantha being out. Um, and when when my leg was good, I was very busy and very light. Um, but um, it's yeah, as I say, it's just it's just something that I've always had to deal with, so I don't know any different. Mm. The other legendary story about your weight battles concerns your well-known habit of driving to the races wearing a wetsuit or a plastic raincoat with the car heater on, full blast. Is that an exaggeration? <laughs> no, it does happen. I, I, it, that's the last resort. Um, I try, try not to let that happen as much anymore, but that was that, that was sort of a, yeah, a couple of times a week I'd have to be doing that. Um, mm. It's just if I run out of time at home or at the track or something like that and I've still got half a kilo or a kilo to go, well, um, that's last resort. Throw a wetsuit on or, um, yeah, as you say, a plastic raincoat and away we go. But, um yeah, so that's probably the the most torturous one is is doing that because and then if you if you still if you're worried that you haven't lost enough well then you have got to run a couple of laps around the track um, when you get there so mm. but that's as I say I don't know any different I don't know what it's like to get up of a morning and have a cup of coffee and go to the races or have <laughs> mm. let alone breakfast but um, no. yeah it's just. It's just one of them things that, as a bit like my kids, would come into the track. They don't know any different, and neither do I with this. Mm. Matt, I'll get you to stand by for a moment while we clear a commitment on the podcast. We'll come back with you in just a moment. The Group 1 Kia Tancred Stakes will highlight another day of group racing at Rosehill Gardens on March 25th. The race was inaugurated in 1963 as the Tancred Cup of a mile and a half, but has had several name changes over the years under sponsorship arrangements. The race resumed its original name in 2018. Younger racing fans might be interested to know that this race is named after Henry Eugene Tancred, who joined the Sydney Turf Club board in 1943 and became chairman 10 years later. A progressive thinker, Tancred pushed for such innovations as the photo finish camera, starting gates, electronic timing and later for the introduction of the Golden Slipper. In sport, Harry Tancred had been a notable player in both league and union. In business, he'd been a pioneer in meat wholesaling and export and as a racehorse owner he'd been lucky enough to race the 1940s champion High Cast. The race named in Harry Tancred's honour was inaugurated two years after his passing in 1961 and has been the domain of good horses ever since. The most notable include Maccabi Diva, Might and Power, Bozam, Bone Crusher and the two-time winners Tie the Knot and Octagonal. The Kia Tancred Stakes will be supported by the Vinery Stakes as the Group 1 features on Saturday, March 25th at Rosehill Gardens. Our special guest is Matt McGurran, the Grafton-based jockey who's been one of the best in that region for many years now. According to my records, your first winner came in 2010 at Casino on a mare called Alum's Lass, I think trained by Dan Bowen, or was it Alma's Lass? Alma's Lass, yeah, no, that was uh, with Felicity Firth. Right. Um, she was a Grafton-based trainer and I uh, was a miserable, cold, 
wet day, heavy 10, down the outside fence with a four kilo claim, came Elmer's lass. <laughs> <laughs> and you thought you were Derby Munro. Yeah, my word. Oh, yeah. I thought, how easy is this? Why didn't I do this a month ago? <laughs> <laughs> down the outside fence with a four kilo claim. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, as I say, it was a very miserable day, but the winner made it all worthwhile. Mm. Well, the winners started to flow, your talents emerged and you were in keen demand with trainers in the northern region. You made the sudden decision, Matt, in 2011-2012 to move further down the coast and you linked up with Tari trainer Ross Stitt. You had a dual role there though, didn't you? You were stable jockey and in a sense, stable foreman. Yeah, I had a had a few things to do with, for us, that's for sure. Um, I was breaking in his horses and um, bits and pieces of farrier work if that needed to be done. Um, not so much the first time that I went there. I'll probably he probably didn't have me as busy, but um, yeah, I only lasted there the first occasion for three months. I was on three month loan and I started to have weight weight troubles. Um, and yeah, I opted to come home um, after the three-month loan and come back to Alan Ryan and um, got together and we got I got my weight back down again and um, Ross was still pretty keen and in this at the, by this stage I'd tangled got tangled up with Samantha mm. um, so Ross was pretty keen to get the pair of us then because she was on fire as well and um, he thought it was a great opportunity and um, yeah, so I that's where we I don't not sure how long I was home for that time, but um yeah, as I say, once we sort of got tangled together and he heard that there was an opportunity <laughs> to obtain the pair of us, he was pretty keen. <laughs> Sam uh, may not uh, relish the use of the expression to get tangled up. She, <laughs> she may prefer romantically involved. <laughs> that's true, true, John. <laughs> yeah. Your life was turned upside down in 2012 when your dad, Jerry, died suddenly, much too young at 54 years of age. A massive shock and very hard for you to rationalise. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was an ordinary time. Um, that was, at that, that stage, career-wise, that was when I was, I'd sort of, um, being down there with Ross and had a lot of success, and um, that was. But by this time, I was um, I was actually talking to Dad. I think I was taking some horses to the races. I think I was taking the scone or something like that. And I was, and I was forming when I was forming for Ross. I was just, um, yeah, talking to him a couple of days before, and he said, "Oh, you'll be right if you if you want to do it, you'll do it." Mm. And um. Yeah, a couple of days later, it was, oh, yeah, Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve, we lost Dad and mm. very sudden, too soon. You and Sam went straight back to Grafton to be with family and you had to restructure your career. You didn't ride a lot and your weight spiralled. Did you think of giving it away at that point? Uh, uh, to be honest, John, I didn't think I'd see me apprenticeship out or at, uh, like at any stage, you know, when I first started, I didn't think I'd see it out or 
or anything. I just thought it was just something that I could hook in and have a crack at. Um, I thought of giving it away multiple occasions, but um, coming back to graft and, you know, just mainly when I was after Dad had passed and trying to help Mum out, um, I sort of – that was where I probably did get my weight in check. Um, Mm. Mum's a a chef, but so that – so you probably wouldn't think that's a good thing for a jockey, but it, no. she, she um she sort of knew knew um what I could and couldn't have, and that mm. while I was around her um yeah my weight was sort of it was really good, so um that was probably the and and around Alan Ryan again he's another bloke that um was pretty keen for me to be in the saddle, so um yeah that was where the time. And and at this stage, because um, Samantha fell pregnant at the same time as I lost Dad, she fell pregnant with McKellar. Mm. Um, so she was getting out of the saddle. So I thought, well, I better get back in it and mm. to get some get earn some a quid. Loot. Earn a quid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you made a move that turned out to be a very wise one. You linked up with a Gold Coast trainer called Bruce Hill with whom you formed a wonderful partnership. How did that connection come about? Um, I rode a horse for Bruce at Lismore. I think it was in, in the cup prelude. Um, rode an old horse for him and I won the cup prelude. It, it led over 2,100 and mm. um, one going away from them. And he then he, he rang um, my manager and said, oh, I want – want that kit young fella to ride him in the cup and it was a non-claiming race of course and mm. the horse was only going to get 54 and I thought well that's a that's a pretty good um pretty good thing for him to do for me you know put me on in a non-claiming race and oh, it's, um, a, it's a tribute yeah I was and then it was pretty pretty well after that um the horse didn't do any good I um I had a I had a good crack and lost the weight and rode him in the cup, but the horse didn't. I think he, I think he run fourth or something. And mm. yeah, then they, then he offered me, offered me a Guernsey up there to come up there with him. So mm. um, we did you um, actually Matt, move, Matt, or did you stay in Grafton and commute? No, we we all Samantha and McKellar and myself. We got in the car and we camped in a motel or two for the first. Um, week or two before we found permanent accommodation. Mm. Um, yeah, and um, and we yeah we based ourselves up there. Yeah, well, I'll tell you how well you went. I recall you were running second to either Tim Bell or Luke Tarrant in a Brisbane Apprentices Premiership on one occasion. You were often at Eagle Farm or Doomben. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I got there at a. Must have been pretty well at the start of the season, um, and Bruce was tremendous to me. He he brought his brought his Saturday horses, his Saturday Metropolitan horses back to a Wednesday, back to his their Wednesday races, and um, where that where a three kilo claim off their back was um, was was very beneficial. And he and the same deal. He um, he brought his Wednesday horses back to the Saturday at the Gold Coast, and. Mm. Um, I remember picking the race book up there a couple of times early days, and I was I was sitting one two in the in the premiership um, for the apprentice and for the 
and for the senior jockey, um, so yeah. every you know every chance I got there, I'd flick through the pages and see where my name was. <laughs> oh, you had a wonderful run. <laughs> yeah, it was um, yeah. it was pretty exciting. Um, so just just through good support, but that was mainly it was very much started off from the loyalty of Bruce. Um, mm. It was yeah, it was it was it was really good for me to me. Now during that time when you were riding frequently in Brisbane. You had two rides on a horse that you say is the best you've ever ridden. John Thompson put you on Honesta in two open races at Doombin and you won both of them, one of them by a big margin. Yeah, she was a she was a superman. Um they don't come across don't come along too often, um, horses that give you a feel like that. Um yeah, she. I won a couple on her up there, and then she went from there down to Melbourne, I think, and and went around in in the Oaks. I think she might have run third in the Oaks down there with yeah, Craig ran, Williams aboard. She ran second. She ran, ran second, second in two Group Ones match. She ran second in the Flight Stakes at Randwick, and second at Jamaica in the Victorian Oaks. So you were quite right. She was very talented. Yeah, she was. Um, yeah, I I come across the owners not long after that, and um, at the Gold at a Gold Coast meeting, and I just give them a tap on the shoulder, and I just mentioned to them if they ever wanted wanted to get that mare back to a winning ways that um, that I'm still around. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't get back aboard, no. but no, she was a she was a lovely mare, um, and um, and yeah, John was John was great to me. I had a, I had success for him when he was with when he was with Patnack, and then. Mm. And then more success for him um, when he was out on his own. Mm. You were very disappointed four years ago when a horse called King Lear developed a breathing issue and had to be retired. He was trained by Tony Newing and you won five on him all up, one on the Gold Coast, one at Ipswich, two at Grafton and one at Eagle Farm. You liked him a hell of a lot. Yeah, he was a... It was a horse that was definitely bound for stakes grade. Um, he yeah, he broke the track record over twelve hundred meters here. Um, the year before, he they were sort of bringing him for. Well, they were going to attack the Ramoni handicap with him the following year, and um, yeah, he broke the track record. And but yeah, he he developed a, a breathing issue, and he he actually they they went to fix the breathing issue, and he. Um, when he was coming out of an- anaesthetic, he actually hurt himself coming out of the anaesthetic, and oh, then he had to be put down. So, ah, oh, what a pity! Yeah, the poor bugger. He was a mm. he was a great horse for me and Tony. We were pretty excited with the horse that we had. Mm. Uh, we actually we took him down. Tony took him down to. We penciled in a race, a straight race on Melbourne Cup Day, um, and I went down and rode him at Maui on the. On Maui Cup Day, that was going to be his lead-up race, and mm. it was in that race there at Maui that I noticed something was wrong. And yeah. Um, yeah, he was. He come back from that and raced on again, but um, it was wasn't the same. So that's mm. why we they opted for the surgery. But that that still that that was yeah, not didn't work at all. Mm. For a while there, you were popping up in Sydney every now and again. And I think punters were starting to take notice uh, when Matt McGurran suddenly appeared at a Canterbury or a midweek midweek meeting. Yeah, there was. Um, oh, that was that was when I was an apprentice. Uh, mm. I was down there a bit. I was 
quite often I'd ride for John Thompson when he was training for Patnack. I'd be there um, at the midweeks down there at Warwick Farm or Canterbury or something like that. And then on, on the Friday, I'd be back in the I'd be in the plane and go up to go and ride in Brisbane for them. Um, mm. And that, that was when I was with Samantha and, and riding for, and I was apprenticed to um, Ross Stitt. So yeah. I'd be in the car from Taree, go to flying from Newcastle. Um, and up to up yeah. to Brisbane on a Saturday, but yeah, the midweeks I'd mostly be at yeah mm. in Sydney. You were covering more ground than Burke and Wills in that era. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I was quite often. I'd um, I used to I used to eat pistachio nuts because I didn't didn't want to smoke or anything to keep myself awake. So I'd, mm. I'd eat pistachio nuts to keep myself awake, so that because I'd throw me nut, um, the nut shells out the window and keep myself mm. busy because there was a lot of kilometres involved. Yeah. It was in 2015 when you and Samantha acquired a 50-acre property at a place called Lower Southgate near Grafton and you're well set up there with an 800-metre track. You've got a sand arena, you've got boxes, you've got shelters for the spellers and you also have access to a lovely safe stretch of the Clarence River and you and Sam can actually wade the horses in the cool waters of the mighty Clarence. Good for the horses, even better for humans. Yeah, no, it, it, it's brilliant here. It's a, it's a great setup now. Um, we sort of have almost got it to how we want it. Um, there was, yeah, there was nothing here. That, oh, there was just a house and a little shed when we got here, but now we've got, we can comfortably hold um, 20 horses in, like 20 thoroughbreds plus all these these camp draft horses, I suppose, and cattle, but um, yeah, we can comfortably hold them. And um, the river's right here, and um, yeah, take them down there. And it's great for these these old horses. We can re- rejuvenate them, and the horses that are in town, we mm. um, bring them out here after the race or something like that. And we can utilise our spelling paddocks, and um, and we've got not good good sized day yards with stables off them as well, and yeah. our, our boxes on the. They're, they're big six-by-six six boxes, and they're, so they, mm. they love it out here, that's for sure. Mm. Before we go, Matt, we should acknowledge all of the trainers who've given you such great support over the years with special mention of Matt Dunn, whose exploits from his Mwillumbar base in recent years are well documented. He races extensively on the rivers, and Matt McGurran is his go-to jockey. Yeah, no, Matt's been Matt's been very, very good to me. He's been ultra loyal. Um, we've yeah, well, ever since since I've moved home, um, oh, he's won more than me premierships on the Northern Rivers. But yeah, I haven't I haven't missed a premiership since I've moved home, and um, and it's been um, I've I've ridden a stack for him. It's been you know mainly due to him, but. Um, Matt, Matt and his owners, they've been yeah, ultra loyal and it's it's been a, been a great ride, that's for sure, and hopefully it can, can continue. Your biggest enemy over the next two months will be boredom <laughs> as you take great care not to get that moon boot caught on any dangerous obstructions. Yeah, well, I've just got three horses here trying to eat out of the back of my buggy here at the moment because <laughs> as long as they don't get tangled up with me, I'll be right. But, um, no, it's... Trying to keep busy, um, probably doing 
more than I should, but it's yeah, as you say, boredom can can get older. Mm. Our mutual friend Gary Cleesey uh, told me that Matt McGarren would be a good bloke to have a yarn with, and you know what? He was right. <laughs> uh, Gary's a legend in my eyes. He um, he was another reason that I got into racing. He's I used to compete against his his young fellas in in Pony Club when I was younger, and um, I went up and told him that, that I was going to start riding track work at a at a gym carna one weekend, and he was he was stoked because he'd always wanted reckon that I should be a jockey, and um, yeah, known him for quite a while, and, and yeah, he's he's a great bloke. Mm. I remember a little quote attributed to Lenny Beasley when he was riding and battling with weight a long time ago. He used to say he had the mind of a jockey inside the body of a rugby league halfback. <laughs> there you go. No, well, that's might be similar to me. That's yeah. My my father was um, was a great footballer, and I reckon I've got his legs. Um, <laughs> they're, they're the biggest part of me. From my um, I, quite often you sit next to somebody in the in the jockey's room, and yeah, my legs are twice the size of theirs. And goodness me, doesn't doesn't matter how much walking or running that I do. It's mm. it probably builds them up, but <laughs> mm. um, it helps yeah, you to kick them out strongly in a tight finish, though, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. It hasn't pulled them up anyway. That's for sure. Matt, been a delight. Thanks for giving us time, uh, you know, when you're uncomfortable and pretty frustrated about that barrier trial accident at Ballina. Keep your chin up, keep busy, the time will go fast and thanks for joining us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thanks very much, John. Cheers. Australian trainers are giving Pride's Racing Cube the thumbs up. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube is a set recipe formulation in which the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt-free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Mornington trainer Jason Warren introduced his horses to Racing Cube early this year and is delighted with the results. We've had a great deal of success since making that change. So really pleased with Pride's and not only the racing cubes, they've got a number of other feeds that work well for us. Pride's racing cube is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at a very economical price. Talk to your local rep about racing cube. Another winner from the Pride's easy feed stable. Trainers are giving it the tick of approval all around the nation.